Harris's Enterprises is using the power of business to create a better world through its companies, home care, home care housing, Fabrico and Terraces Renewables. Terraces creates innovative solutions to tackle social issues, including homelessness, healthcare, housing shortages and sustainability. Visit terraces.com to discover more. You know, when you're starting out in business, like you don't have a lot of finance unless you come from, you know, a financial supportive, you know, but I done everything on my own, never took a loan out or anything, always said, you know, I want to be out what I can afford to be out. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I'm quite strong that way. So yeah, no, so everything I have, I'm happy because I look around and I afforded it and yeah, I built on it and yeah, no, I've done this myself. Yeah, exactly. That was the voice of Emma Stinson of Simply E-Designs. Born and bred in County Armagh in Rich Hill, Emma is continuing her grandfather Jackie's legacy in leatherwork by designing and handcrafting her very own line of high-end designer bags. There is no doubt Emma is exceedingly ambitious and determined. She speaks candidly about her struggles with getting her name out there as a bag designer, but makes it clear that she is not one to be easily perturbed. There are big plans for the future and this savvy businesswoman seems to have it all worked out. So I'm here with Emma Stinson today in her studio slash workshop, which I have to say, just even being here in the presence of the orange on the wall, leathering behind you, your loom, it's very apparent that this is a craft that you have, you know, you oh, just yes. get the sense, and even the smell of the leather. I know, it's like, people like always like would say about the smell of the leather, but I'm now becoming dominant to it. Like, I was going to say. Yeah, I can't even smell it anymore. Really? It's just like, yeah, I'm building up this resistance against that. But yeah, it's always great to come in and smell that genuine leather definitely. smell. It's something like you definitely miss whenever you're just buying bags from stores. Yeah. Or you walk into a handbag store and there is no, there's no smell. Oh, definitely <laughs> not. No, definitely not. But that's when you know you're buying into a real leather bag. The smell in yours is your selling point. So yeah, no. it's just so authentic. I need a bottle it. <laughs> this is it. I'd love to bottle it. Oh just, yeah. Even something nostalgic about it. It reminds me, even though I've never worked with leather in my mm -hmm. life, it mm -hmm. reminds me of I don't know, like my childhood or something. It does. It definitely, it definitely brings back a lot of traditional memories. And maybe if you, you know, like especially a few years ago, maybe many more than a few years ago, leather shops was quite a thing. Mm -hmm. And now, unfortunately, it's becoming a dying trade. So I'm trying to keep a, such an authentic, traditional skill alive. I'm so blessed to have a family heritage in it as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it definitely, it does provoke like those it like does. childhood memories and like even like people like yourself, you know, remembers going into the school bag shop mm -hmm. that got their traditional like satchel for school and stuff like that. So yeah, no, it definitely has a lot it's of just, memories. It lends a different quality to yeah. a handbag, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's just, it's got something, like nearly like a little life of its own. Oh, like it does, it is, like it is. Yeah, no, I love everything. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you, how long have you been in this space? Have you always had this workshop for? Um, no, so this workshop has sort of been moved around quite a wee bit. Um, I sort of always had like a, a workshop space or a studio space as such in a home environment anyway. Um, but it wasn't until probably this year I've sort of got like a proper space established. But you know yourself is just a work in progress as you're starting out and building a business. And yeah, it, you just build each year and improve on what you've already done. So yeah, I know, but it's great to have my own space that I can call a workshop and then separate from my 
like retail end as well. Exactly. And I mean, why would you pay, you know, for a space or hire a space? Well, that's it. You know, a lot of people will agree, you know, with this one. Like, you know, when you're starting off in business, like you don't have a lot of finance unless you come from, you know, a financial supportive, you Mm -hmm. know, but I've done everything on my own. Never took a loan out or anything. Always said, you know, I want to be out what I can afford to be out. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I'm quite strong that way. So yeah, no. So everything I have, I'm happy because I look around and I afforded it. And yeah, I built on it. And yeah, no, I've done this you myself. You all together. Yeah, yourself. exactly. I'm and trying to find the words. Yeah. You have some yes. equipment here that has obviously been passed. You have. Yes. Yeah, so that's another thing I'm greatly blessed for is the machinery that was all like inherited and some of um. The tools as well that I use is actually my grandest tool, so it's great to have that. Yeah, that's a good And that sentimental point. value, yes, yeah. exactly. So it's lovely, and it just, I feel like I'm with him when I'm using these machineries, you know. And if there is that's such lovely. a thing out there, he's looking <laughs> down, and hopefully, he's proud. Hopefully, I'm doing him proud. Yeah, so. He absolutely is. I mean, oh. even just to see this setup, it's absolutely incredible. And oh, thank you. I'll you. have to clap and applaud my dad for this. He's very good. So oh, he, did built, he help you? Yeah, no, he built all this for me. So oh, very he's good. very handy with a saw. All yeah, no, yeah, definitely. We're all crafty. And yeah. all in all, then putting this space together, mm-hmm. has it taken a long time? Like, how long are you in operation from the start? So, I'd say probably about three years. Okay. Um, first year, sort of playing around with ideas, and then I'd say really within just the last year and a half, like I've really just established and found my niche and my market mm-hmm. um, for bagware. So, I'd say probably within the year and a half, I'd say I was fully self employed. But all of these bits and pieces you've gathered from day yeah yeah so from day dot everything has been gathered and um, like my first ever sewing machine is sitting directly behind you like I bought yeah. that when I was doing my A-levels that's how old that is and then obviously the singers are very old like yes I love them they're even gorgeous just to look I can't even put an age on them like they're probably hundreds and hundreds antiques they're very antique mm-hmm. you know um and it's great and that. these have all the singers come from your grandfather yep so um they all came from him so all of them you see the two under the bench and then the flatbed which is my main machine and then the wee patcher but you were telling me just before we went yeah. um on to record that these all have individual purposes. Yeah, so basically that's it in a nutshell. They all have individual purposes depending on what you're working with and um, different weights of leather as well. So, and obviously some bags maybe take three different sewing machines to assemble it because there's different parts and um, yeah, unfortunately some machines can't, you know, do certain things. So that's why you have to have quite a range. So it's like a proper manufacturer's in here. But I think it's amazing that they're still operational. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they're very old. They probably need a good wee bit of oil every now and again, like to keep them running. But no, it's great just that they're still alive. Yeah, and still going. Yeah. Um, on the subject then of your grandfather, because yes. we can't really get away from not talking about him, because oh, no. all of this really has come about yes. as a result of his yes. career. Yes, so and his reputation. Yeah. What was your grandfather's name? So my grandfather's name is. And I actually have a nephew who's just named after him there. So it's lovely to have that still in the family as well. Um, But yeah, no, my granda basically um, from a young age, he always was interested in uh, horses and saddlery and leather. And there was a shop that we took over uh, many years after that. There was um, an original guy, Walsh Linton. And he owned it and my grandfather just was like a wee like a wee urn boy like he mm-hmm. just run urns for walsh and then as he got involved in the business a bit more he learned everything about the salary end of things and then it was solely making like harness and stuff like that for horses and he just really built on what he knew and then he just built himself like a reputation for his work and he was great he always had like a personality for customers so yeah 
he's well known from north to south of this country, so yeah, and then... And were you saying he sort of just picked, picked it up himself? He was yeah, like self-taught, so he's self-taught. He would have went and done a few courses, but most of it generally was self-taught. And incredible. trial and error was one of his best phrases. If it doesn't work, you work on something that you know, you struggled with and you improve on it. And that's the only way to learn, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah, learn from mistakes is yeah. your best. And I find that through many years university as well. And through here, like you only improve on mistakes. You have to have mistakes to learn, you know, so. And have there been many for you? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lots, there's been tears shed, there's been uh, arguments with myself over why something's not, you know, aesthetically working. And that's the thing, like bagware is great to have aesthetically pleasing mm -hmm. to your eye, but it has to serve a practicality. Yeah. And that's one thing that I try to promote, that my bagware serves practicality as well as aesthetic. Mm -hmm. So everything is trialed and tested before it leaves here. You know, if a rivet isn't in properly, it's not going to serve a purpose for a shoulder strap, you know. So there is quite a lot of technical things that go into making bagware. It's not just making a bag. Yeah. So yeah, there yeah. is a lot you on that forget. comes with the I mean, the bags are gorgeous and there's quite oh, a few you. around us and they're definitely aesthetically pleasing. I don't doubt that they serve their purpose <laughs> as well. You can see that they do. And you're showing me one earlier that is your own. Oh yeah, yeah. Worn. But I mean, they're, they're lasting a, li a lifetime. Yeah, that's it. It is a true investment. And because I only use 100% genuine leather, I don't cut corners. I wouldn't even be allowed to cut corners when mm -hmm. that's concerned going up around the material. But what you buy is what you get sort of thing, you know, it is only 100% genuine leather and I do use vegetable tanned and chrome which is two different types and if you don't know what that means it's basically yeah. the way it's dyed. But vegetable tan works well, so it does. And if and you look you after it, dye the leather yourself. As well, no, so unfortunately, I don't do that. Okay. Um, but it's bought in pre-made, but I cut from the rawhide itself, as you can see. And briefly you, behind me, these yeah. are a couple of the different leathers that are involved in some of the bags. And how do you choose your leather? What are you looking for when you're looking? Um. For well, so when, basically, when I'm choosing the leather, it's mainly do I want it to be soft? It's all dependent on the bag, really. What I'm trying to make. Yeah. And for example, like our backpack, which you can see briefly there, and um, there's two different leathers, and obviously the flap and the gusset and the base has to be quite hard wearing and has to serve like a structural purpose mm -hmm. to shape the bag. So it has to be a little bit heavier and has to be a wee bit more tinnier, as my dad would refer to. Okay. And then obviously the body wouldn't be soft, so then that's where the second leather comes in because it's a wee bit more soft and playful especially when you're drawing in and opening so it's really just to do with the elements that you're trying to involve in that bag yeah and what leather works best okay so that is just mock-ups and prototypes and changing and adapting before you, you just like it's such a small I know, thing see, i'm just an autopilot it's just yeah. something that i just know naturally to do but trying to explain to yourself i know well that sounds, that a sounds like a yeah. lot of work it is, is. <laughs> many hours oh you wouldn't say half of the hours really? yeah you couldn't price all your hours to be quite honest no, it would no. be extortionate you couldn't retail it so you have to find like a happy medium mm -hmm. at the end of the day and I get enough out of it, you know, and obviously I'm only starting out, I am that wee bit higher end as well. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is a pure leather bag. It's handcrafted by me, it's not mass produced in any way. So it is what it is, and that's exactly. how I justify my pricing. <clears throat> and you know what, it suits some and then it doesn't suit others, but we do run sales every now and again. So mm -hmm. like it will suit everyone's budget eventually, you know, yes. but what you're buying in is what you're getting. This is it. I mean, even... The, the product that you're having to buy in the leather itself yeah. is going to cost an awful That's expensive and you have to buy full hides or yeah. sides as well, which is a, a big costly upfront as well, you know. So you have to incorporate that yeah. as well as your making and all your fittings and hardware and as I well. Think so. When it comes to business, I'm sure you'll probably agree, people tend to undervalue their own time. 
Oh and yeah, yeah. Like you're putting in how many hours would it take to make a like say one of your satchels, for example? So or not satchels, what the wee backpack. Like, the backpack. Um well I'd say like the guts of like if you're like involved and obviously the cutting out and prepping yes. before you even like constructing it, mm -hmm. you talk about six or seven hours yeah. easy and that's like from like taking the raw material onto the cutting bench, cutting it out and then machining it. Because you're gluing and stopping and you know starting Waiting and for things to dry, I suppose. And yeah, like yeah. there's you know there is a lot of that as well. So yeah, but some bags are quicker put out than others. Like our like our crossovers as well, which is one of our best sellers, and mm -hmm. um, they don't take as long, and they're very they're a very very good seller as well. But yeah, just every bag just has a different time tied up into it. Yeah, but and you forget, yeah. you know. I think you do you place less importance and significance on your own time because oh, you're, just, yeah. you're willing to do it well that's it if you have a passion and a drive yeah. and determination to get somewhere and i am one of them people that mm -hmm. you know i will pop my own time into it because you know this is what gets me up in the morning yeah. this is my passion and you know a lot of people would agree in the same boat that has small businesses like you don't see like no you wouldn't know what and even an office anymore like yeah, exactly. you're working around the clock just to build a brand until you get to that stage mm -hmm. where right my brand's established you know i've built that reputation i can step back a wee bit yeah but i'm always afraid to exactly you know so yeah, cause you've got yeah. your own stamp on it and you know the, the standard and the quality and yeah how would you step back from that for fear that it would oh yeah no i'm so like ocd when I it comes to that like I very it's hard not perfectionist to. But then again, I mean, I know you, you say you're high end and your price points are mm -hmm. higher, and rightly so. Not only are you investing all of that yeah. time, the product itself is of such a high standard, but people have to pay for your skill. Do you well, know? that's it. Like, yeah. How many people are doing this? I suppose there's not many. No, well, like, there's people that work with leather, but. Um, Especially when I'm uh, combining both wheat and leather, which yeah. is two traditional skills, there's not many people that do that. So that's like where I stand out. Like mm -hmm. that's my niche, and to get someone who's a qualified weaver as well as a saddler, it's hard, you know. And that doesn't come around every day. So you're buying into them two skills mm -hmm. that you know I've spent time learning, and obviously had the heritage with it and yeah. the background in it. Um. Yeah. So you're really buying into my skill. Definitely. And you know what's so cute? Just as you said, Heritage, you pointed to the picture of your grandfather. Your picture is yeah, your no, grandfather. I just keep looking at on the wall behind me. And it is, it's beautiful, this little collection of photos. But obviously that shows shots. just how much it means to you. Oh, you know, yeah, it's very me. sentimental, so it is. But yeah. It's brilliant. And all these photos, just for, again, for, for people listening to the podcast, are of him in action, mm -hmm. making, what is he making here, saddles? So I think those are different snapshots. So he's working on a bag and then, yeah, um, saddles, a bit of harness possibly, yeah. yeah. And um, he would have also repaired as well as made bespoke stuff from scratch as well. So when he was in business at the time, he had a retail end, which it grew over time, a retail end, and then he'd done his own traditional work, making his own stuff. And then he repaired people, which he was known for. Like he mm. always like restored you know, bags of people that maybe right. was sentimental for them. Yeah, so he was an all-rounder. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> did he pass those skills straight to you or did they come through no, your dad? No, so it came through my dad. dad. So my dad then was the next one and he's amazing with his hands and mm -hmm. he basically taught me everything because my grand had passed, unfortunately, um, before I really picked back up my connection right. with letters. So yeah. really it was what my dad and what I, from memories really, and just like, it was just like, second nature to walk in and grow up around machinery and the smell yeah. of leather so I always had that raw connection but it wasn't until like really after I graduated 
that I sort of fell in love with it again. Mm-hmm. And what did you graduate in? What was your So degree? I graduated in textile and design from the okay. art college in 2018 and I came out as a weaver, mm-hmm. qualified weaver. At that point I couldn't even sit on a sewing machine, would you believe it? <laughs> and I was near terrified of a sewing machine and then it was my dad that was like, right, you need to bite the bullet and get on this. They are scary. Like They I, are. Like I thought like I could get away with making everything on that first domestic behind you that yes. I bought for myself. And he's like, no. So I remember I just had to spend time and self-taught again teaching myself how to operate them. But and I knew. With the weaving, so I know that you yeah. did incorporate elements yes. of that into your bags yeah. as well. Do you still do as much? Or? Um, so not as much. I really started off, and I started off in business that was solely nearly hand-woven um, with a little touch of leather. And then it wasn't until really this year where I focus more on the leather side of things and sort of really only incorporate like the weave in the spring summer months yeah. because one practicality it's not great in the winter autumn winter months and two obviously to have like something that's going to sustain me right around the full year I need to have someone something sorry that people's going to buy into mm-hmm. and obviously the leather definitely it just takes all boxes it can yeah. be worn in spring summer months and it's also amazing autumn winter because it That's is durable mm-hmm. so yeah no as much as i love like you know woven stuff i just yeah i'm sort of focusing more leather now so the loom doesn't get as much use anymore no unfortunately <laughs> not but like her skills and what like i've learned from being a woven textile designer i have now i'm actually training people how to weave as well Brilliant. so yeah i'm just spreading my skills across in that way so yeah well it's only really, really Teresa and i was sort of doing a few different workshops and showing people like the traditional skills of woven stuff as well as um leather craftsmanship and then yeah i got it was a wee girl um Yes, local girl, and I was got the opportunity to teach her how to weave, and it's great that I can spread my skills now. I think I know who you're talking about. Is that, um, oh, I forget her first name, from Copper Otter. Yes. Yes. What is her first name? Jackie May. That's right. Yes. Lovely girl. So we actually just built a connection through Instagram, mm-hmm. and yeah, like me and her are so alike. It's great just to have another person she's that you can very relate chatty. to. She's Honestly, she's just a babe. <laughs> she does do her own. Yeah, so of. she would do mainly like wall hangings and yes. tapestry, but she bought a floor loom and she wanted someone to train her. And obviously, through talking to me and learning what I was about. She sort of was just like, would you do it? That's brilliant. So yeah, we're actually working on it's that. It's lovely to see craftspeople, like authentic craftspeople making things by And coming together. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I really do. So yeah, no, we'll see where it takes us. But yeah, no, it's nice. amazing just to like be able to have a skill and pass it on. Yeah. A bit like what my grand's done, you know, so. It is. That's a lovely element of the business that you can do those workshops. Yeah. And would you hold them here or do you go out? No, or? so actually you just go out to where they're situated. Like I was doing one in Newtown there and then I have a few, I think, lined up for next year as well. Just local ones at the moment. Um, but yeah, people just love learning traditional skills and especially because leather is quite a small subject now mm-hmm. and like obviously like leather handbags is always about but just seeing someone like work with a piece of leather yeah. like people love that there's a story to everything that you create you oh know? yeah like, definitely you made it yourself from start to finish mm-hmm. it just means so much more to you in the end doesn't it really okay, it does yeah product? no it's great just to see like your work and your ideas mm-hmm. and the best thing that rewards me of anything is seeing someone carrying my bag yeah like that's Christmas every day for it me. It would be amazing. It is like I never forget it. The first time I seen a bag, like I just happened to be like in IKEA, how yes. random, with my father, and um, a girl just happened to walk past me. And do you know when you know your own work, yeah, and you just caught your eye on it, and it's like, oh my goodness, I was like, oh, look, and it was so emotional yeah. for him because like he's as proud as punch oh, watching me every day, mm-hmm. and it was just like that like pinch me moment. So yeah, I think that's amazing. I need more of those. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. 
but yeah. Like where do you where do you envision it going? What's your plans? Um well every year comes with new sets of goals and I really just wanna I wanna be happy at the same time. Like I don't mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if I don't make millions. I yeah. just happy is enough for me. But I want to obviously have my own work or my own bag ranges in like boutiques. I'd love to be in Thomas Brown. Um, I'd love to have a few um, opportunities in magazines. I just, I don't really know. Like, I just know I want to like get the recognition as a designer for bagwear. So depending on how far that takes me, how, and obviously to have my own place mm-hmm. and a small outlet, if that's in a shop or if that's just a unit that people can come in try on my bags, even like just discuss something bespoke. And um, yeah, that's really sort of what I envision for the next couple of years. Yeah. And I mean, all very attainable. Yeah, like they're not there's like no hard. There's no reason. Like yeah. it will take a wee bit of grafting. And mm-hmm. obviously like I'm one of these people that has to justify everything. So yeah. if it's financially justifying it, and if it is that next step for the business, I'll, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I always set my goals quite high, but like obviously to be like, wary of them at the moment but I've always been like that even through school but I think that's why I've got to where I am because I'm just so determined to reach them goals so yeah you have to push on at the minute then how do you retail your bags so at the moment you can find them on my website Mm -hmm. I have my own online website um, and also I'm on Not in the High Street as well, which is an amazing UK platform, which I recently have just got involved in this year. Um, and then you can, yeah, so basically, oh yeah, and also at markets and trade shows, I would go out every so often. I try to be out just for, just for you to see my bags yeah. in real life. Because sometimes a lot of the customers would have said to me in the past, you know, it's not till I see your mm-hmm. bag, I appreciate the craftsmanship. Yeah. And that is so true, like, and that's why I really want to go and have an outlet that people can come, view the bags, try them on, and really just feel and smell yeah. what they're buying. Yeah, first thing they said was the smell. Yeah. It, it just does. It's it's like, I know it's going to sound corny, but it's a face for the senses. It, it is, really yeah, is. no, definitely. And when you can smell it, and you can feel it, and you can just, you can see it in, it in all its glory, yeah. you do realise the level of quality that you're buying mm-hmm. into. Um, and I, I think that, you, that you're right to do those pop-ups and markets yeah. and things it's just adding another dimension that just that's it with the it thing. is it's that like a customer like you know yourself if you're working in your own space for so long like you know you need that yeah. interaction and I'm quite a social person like mm-hmm. I love to have a chat and I just love getting out and hearing feedback and it's that feedback that I work on from yeah you know and there's a lot my head just goes like into an explosion of ideas after just talking to a few people and hearing what they want mm-hmm. and it is so cliche but you need to listen to your customers oh, definitely, yeah. and actually it was a customer because I started off interiors when I first started out it was a few questions and I sort of touched on like cosmetic bags um, but I didn't really know was it going to be bag or interiors when I was trialing ideas at the start mm-hmm. that must have been like my first year and it was a woman that came, I'll never forget it, it was a woman that came over and she's just like, if there was a shoulder strap in that bag, I would have bought it. And I was wow. just like, mmm. And what, what bag was that? Did it was just like it? a cosmetic bag, but it was okay. a shape though. It was yes. like more like a scoop one. I was like, mmm. And then that's as I was like, came home, I had a few ideas with my dad, taught, he goes, yeah, there's no reason why you can't put a strap on that. Yeah. And then when that bag started to come out, so like wildfire, and then I just improved and improved on bagwear. And then, yeah. Something so simple. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But that is just an example of you need to listen to what the demand is. There's no point in you thinking, right, I'll just create this product and the demand will be there for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to make that demand and then make it work for it. Yeah, so, tailor it to suit. Yeah, tailor it to suit, exactly. And as you were talking about markets there, um, yeah. I saw you at Georgian Day last yes. year. So do you find doing 
sort of fairs and days like that out and about mm-hmm. are good? Do, do you get much back from them? Or? Yeah, no, like um, Christmas is always great. Like, um, but I just love getting out, showing my work. But yeah, there's lots of feedback and just listening to people and ooh and ah yeah. over the quality is just like such a feel good factor. So yeah, I do really try to get out as much as I can. Um, obviously I always can't be out, but I just think you need to have that little pop-up window every so often just to keep the public reminded. Yes. And obviously to gain more customers from it mm-hmm. that can obviously feed back onto your social platforms and then onto your website for return sales. So even if people I know at the moment are struggling at markets and that's just financially with the economy right yeah. now, everyone's getting it hard. And even if it's a bad day, it's never a bad day because you build connections, mm-hmm. you know, back and you mightn't like get a sealed that day, but you might get three on return home from it. Yeah. It's so, raising brand awareness. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You've just hit it on the nail. It is definitely raising brand awareness. So yeah, you just always have to like be in those spotlights where your brand can get exposed from. So yeah. And you just touched on it briefly there, mm-hmm. right? cost of living crisis. Ah, don't even talk. The term everybody's talking about at the it moment. It does not it's, help it's small thing. businesses it's, at the moment. It's crazy. It really is so hard. It Have is. you felt it? The yeah, like, oh yeah, I feel it every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like even oh, simple God, things right? like groceries, oh, for instance. If we even get onto that subject. There's a massive knock on, there really is. Mm-hmm. And like you said, for small businesses, it's everything. Your electric yeah. has gone up. And I don't know how much electric you use. I'm sure these... Well, yeah, they would like yeah, they would eat up quite a bit of electric when they're on. And what about the likes of your raw materials, the leather and things? Have they have you noticed an increase in price? Um, well, not as of yet. I haven't noticed anything of yet, but I'm sure like everything like they have to you know live from my suppliers end of things. So obviously everything's gonna have to go up, which means maybe prices will go up for me. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that's probably not what you want to hear. But like at the end of the day, I'm a I am a business. I'm trying to run a business. Has to be a profit. Exactly, and I have to live out of it at Mm -hmm. the end of the day too. But um, even just with the small customer base that I'm still getting is amazing, yeah. even especially during these times. So I'm like truly grateful for every sale that really comes through our door because like we're so, everyone's struggling, we're all on the same boat and that's just unfortunately. And we have to sort of grit our teeth and get yeah. through and take it as if, yes, you haven't had to raise prices or anything. No, like I'm still getting by as we, you know, with our sales that are coming in and I'm so grateful as I just said. Um, but no, like every year, depending on raw materials and what things go up, mm-hmm. That will fluctuate my prices yeah. then unfortunately but like at the moment we're grand and i think people do understand because oh, it is yeah, yeah. like you say with groceries and things mm-hmm. everybody's feeling it so people are very understanding if prices have to go up a little bit they know why yes. and i think they know that you know people aren't sort of sticking the arm in that mm-hmm. it's it's you know a legitimate reason but oh gosh it's scary like it is so scary which I, is quite fortunate. I mean i don't know i'm sort of assuming that you don't have many overheads just because you have no well that's exactly it like because I work from home I don't have like you know unfortunately like those like rented and rates and all them things that come with just having an outlet um and it's great that I can work from home Mm -hmm. and you know and because my business is based mainly online it works for me yes so yeah no the only real fear I have would obviously be my insurance and like when I go out to markets and fairs and just your pitch fee which I can live with Mm -hmm. you know because it's justifying you know it justifies itself to be out there and you know gain your sales back from that yeah but no like overhead at the moment is at a minimum which is great. I'll try to keep Excellent. it that way. Yeah. It's as for as long as I can anyway. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's just hard times for everyone. Oh, it's really hard. But we'll go back to the positive. Yes, so we're not going to like get knuckled down too much on this subject. Definitely not. Although it's, avo- it's like you can't avoid it. But no. um, I was going to ask you in terms of 
production like what is your day-to-day what does a day look like for you Emma? it just depends really what we're on so if we're sales basically obviously all my sales will sales sorry will get emails so mm-hmm. every morning i wake up look at what i have and then start coming in prepping for those so if that means cutting out machine stitching gluing and um, really just depending on what bag obviously you have your behind the scenes stuff like you have your website to update currently yeah. all the time you, you do know yeah so mm-hmm. everything i do i solely work by myself so everything you say is created by me website um emails every one of them is answered by me so just literally a whole mixture of things yeah and it's the like admin and the emails like really holds you up it and it's great it would be great someday to have something that could literally take that weight off yeah. me um, but yeah, and then obviously ordering supplies, mm-hmm. like it's just a mixture, every day is different to be quite honest. Yeah. And then next month we'll be working our autumn winter wear, so it'll be a lot of designing, which I'm sort of roughly starting. I get really inspired just by watching like people in the public and yeah, see what so they're bad. wearing. I just like, like I'm so weird, like if I see a bag, I'm just like looking at it straight on and it's just like connoisseuring it nearly, I'm like, mm, I like the elements of that. Yes. So, yeah, no, just really designing will probably be next month and then just like sampling and prototyping and then... That sounds so lovely. And when yeah. you design, is that all on paper? How do you design? Uh, really, a lot of it, like I'm one of these people that can think 3D. Like, wow. Yeah, I'm quite a visual person. <laughs> okay. So um, if I got like an idea, I can nearly make the bag in my head before I have it on paper. It's quite weird. My dad works like that. Yeah. So does my grandfather. It's like photographic. You know, it is like I. Memory. It is like, and especially color is. I have such a strong eye for color as well. So yeah, really, just if I had an idea in my head, I'll just start scribbling it down. Actually, a few sketchbooks is out there. I must show you actually. And yeah, just random ideas, swatching, just lifting things, colours I'm thinking of. You make it sound so easy, I'm sure it's not. <laughs> well, do you know what? Uni has something to thank for that because yeah. when we were studying, we had to keep a sketchbook, we had to jot all our ideas down. Mm-hmm. And I was so bad at keeping it because I kept it all up in my head. And people work differently, but yeah. I think just like if I had an idea, randomly sketch it down, it mightn't look like much mm-hmm. to you, but I know visually what it'll look exactly. like. So yeah, it just really worked like that. And when it comes then to one of your designs yeah. and you're making it for the first time, mm-hmm. does it always go swimmingly or? No, no, never, ever, never does. I always think, right, that'll work well. And then it's when I make, I'm like, no, I don't like that. And I'm so like a critique. I, yes. I just criticize my work. And I think most people who are in the same boat do. We're just so hard to please. Mm-hmm. And you have to be happy with it. I wouldn't sell a bag, I wouldn't wear. Well, sure. you know, yeah, you know that's it. Like, you know, I can't sit and sell a bag and be like, yeah, I love this. And I'm like, I wouldn't wear that. So everything that you see that I make is, I would wear it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, but yeah, no, exactly. No, nothing goes swimmingly. It'd be rare if it did. It would be <laughs> rare. Say you make you make a bag, it's yeah. prototype, and you're not happy with it. Mm-hmm. Are you able to dismantle it? And oh use yeah, those again? Oh, you can. Well, see, anything that I would make up as a prototype would never be out of the raw material. It would right. always be out of a heavy enough material that sort of looks like leather. Ah, okay. So it can get damaged. It can yeah. get ripped apart. It can get edited panels and get changed. You know, if need be. Mm-hmm. Or when I'm coming to making the final prototype, if there was just a small element I wasn't happy with, or, or sorry said that wrong if it comes to making the, the new bag like the real yes. McCoy and there's only a small element that I wasn't happy with in the prototype I would just adapt it then if mm-hmm. it wasn't that much of a change but I feel like it only comes with when you have the final bag made you improve and improve on it yes like there's always room for improvement mm-hmm. I'm never happy I never no. settle so I'm always like mm, I'll add this in I'll add this in you're so I never your start your own worst enemy in a way Literally. I suppose but yeah you're right to be too because you know, like you say, it's your product and you're putting it out there, so you have to be able to stand over it and say, yeah, yeah I'm 100% happy with that. That's it. And um, especially because 
again going back to that whole idea about being an investment for life mm-hmm. it has to stand the test of time well that's it like and you know there's no point like as I keep coming back to that practicality element there's no point making a bag it doesn't serve a function yeah. you know mm-hmm. and obviously depending on season we're coming into like I know everything's quite mini at the moment that's because we're carrying a lot of clothes yeah so possibly this collection could have a lot of room for extra things so like there's no point me making a bag that they can't carry because it doesn't fit anything mm-hmm. Spe- like there's so much you think there about like sometimes I'm like, why does I don't paint or something be easier? Like, I know. But I just, I don't think I'd be happy at that either. Yeah, yeah. this is it. I mean, because of your heritage, the fact that it's yeah, been handed yeah. down, how could you go off and do anything else? I know, I couldn't. You know? As much as it would be a lot easier, yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it would do it for me. I think I am what I am. You're sentimentally yeah. sort of connected to it, aren't you? Uh, yeah, and that way, I just have a love with designing. Like, mm. I am a designer through and through. Like, someday I'd love possibly, like, well, I don't even think I would even let someone else make a bag for me. <laughs> yeah. And so I like, control freak in that end of things. But yeah, I am a designer. Like, yeah. we always had this thing, are you a designer, maker, or what are you in, like, uni? And at that stage, I was like, well, I like to make things. I'm very much a designer. Mm-hmm. Like, I could design all day long. Yeah. I never stop. Like, the tunnel never closes for me. I just always, always like... Thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. even in bed, that's the best way. Or the shower. Like, that's where my ideas come together. I get you. I'm in the car. Yeah. Like, driving all the time, thinking about things. Yeah. It's just always... My head's always on the go. Very yeah. Tricky. Never stop. But I would be quite creative, too. Ah, so I'm very good. thinking of things and yes. ideas for, for all multitude. But um, I was going to ask you too, just on the, the theme of this being a family trade, mm-hmm. if you ever have kids in the future, would it be something you'd pass down? Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's already. I have no kids as of yet, but that's definitely something I'm thinking of already. Yeah. You know, like, would there be one of my kids that would be interested? And obviously, because my husband, he's quite business oriented mm-hmm. too, so it's like two businesses in one relationship. Yeah. I need to have a kid for each <laughs> and like if we have a, like a boy especially because the nature of his work my husband what he does yeah he'd be like yeah he'd be like I want the boy for that and I'm like well the boy might be for mine so there probably will be debate in the future I can sense it coming already yeah but yeah no totally I've already thought of that yeah but nice yeah no definitely it definitely would now um but yeah I'm gonna say just maybe we'll start wrapping up but Mm-hmm. I know I've asked you what a day looks like for you in work sense, but what's your downtime? Do you get any? And what do you hey, do? My downtime, what do I do? <laughs> you don't do anything. Well, I'm a married time. woman now, so yeah, no, like I have a dog. Like I'm a real dog mama as mm-hmm. well, so I love to walk. Like again, that's where my ideas come into play as well. I just love taking myself away, fresher. Like I could walk and walk for hours, so that's really my downtime at the moment. And yeah, no, I'm renovating as well, so I'm throwing my head into that as well and designing yeah. the house. I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I had time out. Yeah. I'd be like, mm, right, there's something I could be at here. Yes, I'm being productive. I have to I fill think, my day. Yes, I'm I one know. of these people. I think yeah. that's just the nature of my work. I'm just in this like routine of being busy. Mm-hmm. I have to be busy. Enterprises is using the power of business to create a better world through its companies, home care, home care housing, Fabrico and Tarasis Renewables. Tarasis creates innovative solutions to tackle social issues including homelessness, health care, housing shortages and sustainability. Visit tarasis.com to discover more.